0: Hello, and welcome to Credit Shift News and Update. This week, I'm Paul Sweeney, co-founder and chief strategy officer here at Webio. And I am joined again today by our co-founder and CEO, Cormac O'Neill, and we'll be exploring some of the recent news stories, events, reports, and trends in the credit industry. So before we get stuck in, Cormac, a sad day for you with your Club Liverpool.
1: Yeah, Paul, I I think... um... You know, it doesn't matter what we're going to talk about today. The the big news of of last week is, you know, my hero Klopp um, deciding to uh, leave Liverpool. Um, as a lifelong Liverpool supporter, obviously, Klopp um, is a legend with all with all us Liverpool fans. um Gutted to. <laughs> hear that he's leaving um and of course you know all the united fans are delighted jumping up and down thinking this is a great thing altogether. Uh, i guess i don't blame them because when ferguson left united i was doing the exact same thing um you know it's it's easier to drag the boats down than to try and rise up so that's what that's what the united fans are doing but no definitely uh, a big a big loss to liverpool uh, he's been fantastic um, I remember I took a a tour uh, of Anfield um, not that long ago, and uh, they were talking about uh, how much everybody within Liverpool loved Klopp. Um, indeed, when he when he was been given his office, uh, he pointed to the office next door, and there was no name tags on it. Do he was asked, you know, what what did he want on the door, what type of a name tag, and he pointed to the door opposite, and he said, "Who's?" Um, uh, who's in that office and I don't know I think the answer was, was was either the chef or something like that and he said well he doesn't have a name tag so I don't want a name tag so he got the exact same type of door with no name tag on his office door um, so yeah look it's uh, a, a big a uh, big loss to the club um, for sure but um, hey listen excitement to see who we get in to replace him you know rumour has that Ted Lasso is available apparently um, so, apparently he could yeah, be moving on from Richmond coming in yeah, he's a good guy. Good guy. You know? I don't. So f- I
0: don't follow football myself at all. Uh, so I'm. I'm kind of bemused by the, um, the sense of, uh, I don't know, ownership that people have of of a club that's a big private enterprise making money for some very wealthy multi-billionaire, uh, and everyone feels still so attached to their club. I'm just bemused by the whole thing. Um, so, uh, I, I. I think. I, I think it's a. An interesting business franchise. <laughs> that's, that's about as far as my interest goes in it. <laughs> All right. Listen, after that uh, tra- tragic story there, I think we'll just yeah. jump into um, yeah. uh, some of the general industry news. Uh, one in six renters missed an essential payment in a single month, according to Witch's latest Consumer Insight Tracker, compared to just 2.8% of homeowners missing an essential payment. So again, big difference there between renters and homeowners. 24 percent of universal credit recipients reported missing or defaulting on a payment. Of those that missed a household bill, the most common bill type missed was an energy bill. Other commonly missed bill payments were council tax, water, bone and broadband packages. Speaking of energy debt, the amount of debt racked up by prepay energy customers hit one billion. According to new research by BFY Consulting. Over the last two years, the numbers of prepayment meters, or PPMs, energy consumers in debt have risen by 220,000 to 750,000, a 40% increase. In early 2023, energy companies were forced to halt installation of prepayment meters under warrant, usually referred to as forced installation, due to concerns taken. Uh, during installations. In 2023, even with a ban in place, the volume of debt on account grew by 5%, but average balances grew by 25% to £250 as total debt grew by 30% overall to £250 million in the period. Again, this is a sign that those at the very tip of the can't pay scale are finding it very difficult indeed. So again, Tracking that coming through over time, Cormac. I think again we can mm-hmm. see.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of interesting that we're seeing here. From if I'm hearing this right, that uh, the most missed, the most commonly missed bill is mm-hmm. an energy bill. Okay, so people are um, prioritizing their phone and their TV package above their energy, or is it more a function of, well, look, energy uh, is a a vital service to have and therefore is less likely to get cut off um, than, say, your phone bill or your broadband provider? Um, You know, I would have thought that we would be prioritizing our energy bills, but that might, yeah, that might be a function of it. You know, energy companies are a little bit more lenient than, than other providers of, of utilities. Don't know. That's some kind of uh reading into.
0: What it 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 says to me is also that the challenge for energy providers is so much higher um in that they have constrictions and they've got particular legislative things yeah. that they they must adhere to. So how do they keep customers on a bill payment track? How do they um Get promises yeah. to pay and, and and make sure that people are able to comply with those I think they have a, a tough job there
1: I, I, yeah, and I think you're right there and I think we're seeing that ourselves from from air uh, utility customers they have a lot of compliance and and um, I think the only way to do it is to have effective communication with their customers, you know, and I think that certainly we've seen that anyway in terms of how we've been able to help our utility customers, um, you know, try their best to keep their customers on track here. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, no, I think you're, you're right on that. Um,
0: I am surprised by that, that rise in the prepay market there. That's a, like a huge, huge increase 40 percent in, in an energy market is a massive massive rise anyway moving on to section two uh fintech buy now pay later ai and related news we like to keep an eye on these sectors because they're the kind of leading disruption uh vectors in our business the apple wallet uh the eu is forcing apple to unbundle its uh its nfc chip which is kind of the thing underneath their their wallet. And this could be a game changer in payments. We could see Google Pay, Samsung Pay and others on the iPhone as your touch to go service, touch to go payment service could be important for an increasing variety of services that could be used to perform that task. Uh, it's also my opinion. It breaks the cycle for Apple in terms of if you're always paying with your Apple Pay, Apple's getting all that data. Um, Apple can charge what it wants per tap later on, whatever bundles of taps it wants to have. But it was really that access to the spending journey of a customer. We all know how much we're tapping these days. That data is going straight into Apple. And I thought was a real baseline data for their future financial services play. So this is a big change for them. It's also um, happening around the same time that Apple is being forced to allow side loading of apps into its phones and the breaking of the monopoly on the Apple app marketplace, which is a disruption to the Apple ecosystem. Now, obviously, Apple are going to say that this is going to introduce increased risks to its customers, uh, increased fraud in the marketplace, etc. But you've got to think it's probably got something to do with the trillion dollars of revenue that are coming through that particular pinch point in their in their value chain but this is definitely one to keep an eye on um, if apple have to open up their phone um to payments and new payment types that's a a new vector for um, all the credit collections companies and the credit companies and payments companies to think about what what they're going to do from here on in an example of a company that might benefit from this is klarna they are a company we have been keeping a Bellwether Ion. And like everyone else, Klarna would love to be a subscription business. Klarna Plus is now available for 7 dollars a month, and it enables members to improve their experience by receiving access to several features and offers, including waived service fees on the company's one-time card product, double reward points, and special deals with a variety of brands. Klarna continues to grow beyond BNPL into shopping and payments. Currently, more than 500,000 global retailers integrate Klarna's technology and marketing solutions. I took a comment yesterday on LinkedIn from someone in the payments business um, in Australia, and they were making the point that 40 percent of Klarna's payment traffic is straight through debit, not buy now, pay later making this a very expensive proposition for customers and merchants who cannot take advantage of least cost routing. As the word moves on, or as the world moves on from buy now, pay later, the suppliers have to face the reality that they are becoming high-interest credit card consumer finance businesses, which is the sector they told us was broken and that they were going to fix. I thought that was just a fantastic observation.
1: Yeah, Um, it is
0: becoming more and more like a credit card company.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly what they set out to um to, to challenge and, mm. and disrupt. Um so that's a, that's a really good quote. I actually missed that Klarna um what are they calling Klarna the plus. Klarna yeah, extra, plus, Klarna extra yeah. plus for 7.99 yeah. $7. $7. Yeah. uh a month. So what what are they offering you for that 7.99 $7. a month um to
0: You can imagine that um Like if you were totting up fees and paying for everything and there was a transaction cost to each of those and you were able to bundle up a number of those and say, you know, instead of paying 10 euro a month on tapping fees, I'm paying 8 euro a month and I've got access to various special offers. I'm being given special Mm. insights to deals that are coming down the line, etc. Then, you know, I'm just getting like an Apple Plus type deal. You know, like we get Amazon Prime, yeah. we get all these bundled products. And um, really, just, it's a way to, to turn like episodic um, tran- uh, transactional revenue into a much more predictable subscription revenue base. And if Klarna can convince the market that it, it can actually keep this up, then its valuation is going to be a lot higher on an IPO.
1: Mm, for sure. Must, I must um, take a look at that uh, a little bit more detail. I think
0: you'll remember, Cormac, a few years ago, I, was, I had a mantra, every service wants to be a subscription service. And this yeah. is just yeah. a part of the same thing. Um, I'd also be really interested in the AI part of that front end. So Klarna is always describing itself as an AI shopping as well because you've got to be able to originate the deal, Mm. originate the purchase, and then fulfill the purchase and provide the finance for the purchase. And I'm just wondering how sustainable that origination piece is going to be, that you can find the product and then choose to buy it using the Klarna offer. And the point in here that ties to the earlier point is that if you've got a couple of cards on an Apple wallet and you're searching through a web browser and you want to Exit and buy, like wh- where are you doing your browsing? Like, how are you finding that product? And I, I remember f- previously that most product searches took place over Amazon. If you're searching for a product, you go to Amazon, you put it in the mm-hmm. search bar, and you search. You don't go to Google to search for products. And that was a big shift. And if we now go to other services, Like open chat or open AI chat API. And we say, Hey, I'm planning on running a birthday party. Make out a plan for me for 10 kids. What should I have there? Provide a list of ingredients and have them sent to me. Right. That's, that's the disruption that Google is, is trying to face off at the moment with, with the move to generative AI. So all this stuff really ties together in a very, slowly moving but massive foundational shifts in all of e-commerce so it's going to be interesting to see
1: yeah absolutely and uh, i'm sure apple are going to well maybe they can't but it from that First paragraph it sounds like they're being forced they to do a lot, right so if you're being forced to open up your 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 phone to other forms of payment and you're being forced to open up your um your, your app store so to speak um yeah they're pretty two pretty big ones that i'm you know I'm sure will be pushing back pretty oh, hard it's, on. they have
0: to do it it's like they're this is this will be in their like 14 point seven release of uh, iOS. it's done oh, okay. deal so there's yeah, a done this deal. Oh, interesting. Um, It's a, yeah, I I think it is. uh, I I had this kind of conversation with somebody else uh, running a technology company in the UK, and we're just talking about product market fit. And uh, Klarna had a really strong product market fit and buy now, pay later. So we'll see how this, you know, new AI shopping turns out to be, um, you know, how sticky that turns out to be. Okay. Moving on to our final section, recent reports. I think uh, this week there's the money statistics January 2024 from the Money Charity UK. This report provides you with a wealth of data points that could be useful for your planning processes. We sometimes forget how big the credit industry is. I saw that in the UK unstructured consumer debt had reached two hundred and twenty one point five billion in the UK, of which credit card debt was sixty eight point nine billion. So this is a huge business, an absolutely massive business. The average interest rate on a credit card lending bearing interest was 24 percent in November 2023. This was 18.75% above the Bank of England base rate of 5.25%. UK figures show that 50.1% of credit card balances were bearing interest in September 2023. In December 2023, the average APR for a £5,000 loan was 11.52 according to the Bank of England. For a £10,000 loan, it was 7.16%, while the average rate on an overdraft was 35.36%. The dramatic increase in overdraft rates in 2020 was due to the new FCA overdraft rules, which banned high fixed charges, penalising accidental and short duration overdrafts. But at the cost of a rise in the average overdraft rate, like Take a moment there, Cormac. That <laughs>
1: I'm, I, I, I'm wincing, Paul. I'm sitting here wincing as you're 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 reading out some of those interest rates. Like, oh, wow, credit card. We're at twenty four percent. That doesn't be a high, right? But you know, I think everybody out there knows their credit card debt is one of the most expensive forms of of, of debt you can get. But overdraft at thirty five point three six that's a staggering rate really is isn't it and then overdrafts kind of like you know something that you don't really pay too much attention to um wow at those interest rates you'd be damn sure you'd be paying attention to that that's for sure um you know the, the other interest rates yeah that's probably are what they are in terms of five five grand ten grand but jeez Watch out for those overdrafts.
0: Yeah, I still think 20, 24 is a notch off twenty five percent interest on a credit card loan. Like, that's a lot.
1: Oh, it is a lot. Yeah, but we all know credit cards. Like, you know, I'd, I would have said if you asked me off the bat what did I think the interest is, what is it, was eighteen, nineteen percent? Right, it's twenty four. If you asked me what an overdraft was, I wouldn't have got anywhere near that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Have
0: I got think that. it's a, just you know, it, it's. Again, this is a, just a huge business. It's a massive business, and people often ask us, Cormac, about the size of this market and, you know, what is the size of the market and, yeah. and, and credit and collections and refinancing. This just gives you a sense of the scale of how much money has to be managed out there and what happens, and I guess why we're in this business as well. Um, exactly. Uh, anyway, food for thought, uh, and that's what this uh, report is for. Just to follow on with um, some of uh, the uh, particular like we have a focus here as Cormac on, on technology and digitization, and, and there are some rather illuminating figures in this report around social inclusion, which I think are worth bearing in mind. According to the FCA in the UK in 2022, there were 1. 1 million, sorry 1.1 million adults who did not have a bank account. So this was 2.1% of the UK population. Now, when you say 2.1% don't have a bank account, you can go, eh. it's a little figure. It's a small kind of 2.1% like out of a whole digitization effort, like no big deal. But that's 1.1 million adults. That's a lot of people um, as individuals.
1: Yeah, but it's something we know, Paul, from, from the business we're in. We do notice that there's still a lot of people out there who do not have a bank account and they're and very much, you know, cash week by week. Um, you know, we know that. Um, so not I wasn't overly surprised by by that figure. That's kind of what, you know, I would have expected from the knowledge that we have in, in some of the, the uh the customers we deal with. Um a so, little yeah.
0: uh add-on number to that was the figure of three point one million people that said they had paid for everything or most things. Using cash in the last 12 months. So, again, we were talking earlier all that stuff happening in the Apple Store and the Apple Pay and touch and go, and then three million people who only want to pay for things in cash. That's a, you know, if you're mandated to be able to collect things like rent or uh, you know other payments and people are only paying it in cash, how would you do that? According to Offcom. 1.5 million households do not have internet access. So that again is a big number. This included 18% of households with members aged 65 and plus. So while we're encouraging maybe elderly people or people who are older to use the internet to run their finances and watch their payments and make repayments, nearly 20% of them are, don't have internet access. That's another eye-opener.
1: It's a high number, isn't it? Yeah, that's a high
0: number. number. Uh, Another little factoid from this uh, report, Fair by Design has estimated that the cost of poverty, the poverty premium, as they call it, to a typical um, parliamentary constituency is 4.5 million a year. This equates to over 430 per year for a low-income household. So basically, these are the additional costs you have when you pay for things with cash, where you have to maybe pay your meter in advance or um, pay fees, uh, but again, we, we've talked a little bit about the poverty tax, Cormac. Interesting to see a number put on it of four hundred and thirty pounds a year.
1: Yeah, it is, isn't it? What I've thought it was that high. No, um, you know, be interesting to see where they're they're getting that number from. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's 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 a. It's a, again, you know, I, I would have actually thought it was higher. So I also would like to go into it. I, I, I thought that number would be higher. Uh, the people who have to deal with this, of course, are the Citizens Advice Bureaus across England and Wales, uh, they answered over 163,218 inquiries in December of 2023. That's up 6.52% from the December before. Debt was the second largest advice category in December behind benefits and tax credits. So that's interesting. Debt calls were up 11.4% compared to December 22, while calls about benefits and tax credits were up by 10.3%. Calls about fuel, gas, electricity, etc. were down 14% from the previous year. So debt represented 20.5% of all issues dealt with Uh, to December of 2023, the top three categories were fuel debts, debt assessment and council tax arrears. We touched on that uh, council tax arrears thing last week. So again, uh, just an interesting document that really takes you on a whirlwind tour of all the data points around um, uh, credit collections, credit Money that people owe incomes, it's a real, uh, really good report for gathering those statistics and maybe putting them into your own um, reporting or planning processes to try and figure out how would you track these? How are they going to impact you? What should you be maybe planning for and maybe what isn't showing up on your numbers? I was thinking, yeah, please.
1: I'm definitely going to download that report, Paul. Um, there's some good stuff in there. We know, and a shout out to our friends in policy and practice, that there is a staggering amount of benefits and tax credits that go unclaimed that people just don't know about them. Um, so, <clears throat> I'm actually, I'm not surprised to see that figure being uh, as high as it is. Um, you know, that's actually good to see. It's good to see people inquiring about what benefits and, and credits are, are out there that. They're due to them, you know. They're one hundred percent entitled to them, and you know, if the um if they're well educated about what's out there for them, um, that's that's a that's a good thing without a shadow of a doubt. I, so. I
0: I think conversational is particularly well placed for this Cormac. If you're making an inquiry, and you can be given a prompt to say, "Hey, have you actually looked at this particular relief scheme? Have you?" You know, Do you understand what might be involved in that? And someone says no, and you can give them some. I, I think that's a great um, opportunity to use the technology a little and, and prod people and find out what, what they might know. And, and sometimes people, I'm, I, I'm guilty of it myself. You know, We'll say we'll investigate it another time. We run out of time to do the thing that we, we're doing now. Um, like we say, we're going to solve this problem now. We work through it. We don't get it done. It just doesn't get we don't come back to it and it just just moves on. So we didn't finish that application for that process. I, I was applying um, for an on post account here in Ireland. It's a banking account and, um, you know, just getting a credit card set up, getting a did I finish one, There was one thing left to do in that credit card process. And I just ran out of time to do it. I had to download statements and then upload statements to the, the portal. And I just ran out of time. A week goes by, I get a notification from post saying, I guess you don't want that account opened up, we'll terminate this process now. And I went, oh, I spent all that time setting up the account, I just ran out of time. So I, I, I think that there's a lot better ways of onboarding people and helping them explore what they should do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'd agree with you on that. And just I also checked out on Post, so um, it must be a January thing here or something, you know. Um, and yeah, they've got some good offerings out there, whether it be bank accounts, credit cards, insurance. Yeah, so a bit of a plug for on Post here in Ireland, folks. Check it out; they've got some good deals. I think. Look, you
0: know, we we don't have, they're not a customer of ours. No, just, yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're not a customer of ours. They've done. I mean, they're going to turn out to be a case study in, in, a, in a great turnaround situation where they were in a lot of trouble, they got on some new management, they turned that thing around, they've kept everyone on board, they've kept the unions on board, they've kept the staff on board and motivated, and they've built up new businesses and they've built up new digital offers and financial services. And I think it's just a, an amazing turnaround story for, for the Irish on Post Service. So, listen. After that barrage of statistics this week, uh, we might look at some reports next week that aren't so numbers heavy. I think maybe uh, something on the human factors behind driving a business in our area. The human factors behind maybe managing a business, age and psychology. I think we'll just take a slightly different um, uh, tilt at this next week and just look at the the, the human factors that um, that we need to have on board to. Really make big, big changes in our companies. Okay, if that is it for this week's Credit Shift, thank you very much again for tuning in and hearing about the changes that are happening in this industry. Keep an eye on all things Webio at Webio.com. We're continuously updating that with new information uh, about what's going on with us. Many more announcements to come from us over the next couple of weeks. I look forward to seeing you again next week on Credit Shift, where we'll be exploring what's happening in the world of credit and collections.